All right, well, uh, welcome to our midweek service. And we've been hitting the topic of diligent discipline, which we're going to talk about today. Let's, uh, <clears throat> let's just open up with a couple of definitions for conversation purposes. And the first one is uh, perseverance. Uh, we're going to spend some time talking about a little perseverance today. And that's just being steadfast and doing something despite adversity. I'm steadfast and I'm doing it despite adversity. And then you have just endurance in general. Uh, that's the power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation with, without giving way. Uh, without giving way. You know, having great stamina. Having great stamina. All right, so let's, let's go here. John chapter 16. You know, because we're, you know, God wants or has us talking about just discipline in general, because if you think about it, what we're really, I don't know if I want to say the word struggling, or I'll just say what we're trying to process through is to stay consistent. You know, we feel so bad when we're off our game, or uh, sometimes we feel bad because we're off our game because we want to be on it. Sometimes we feel bad because of the results of being off of our game. But whether it's because of the results or whether it's because of uh, just realization, um, you know, we can cross over to a place where discipline could be a part of our default and us not being disciplined could be the exception to the rule. All right, so John 16, and we're going to hit 30, verse 33, and I'm going to read it out of the classic Amplified version. It says this, <clears throat> it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect, complete peace and confidence. It says, in the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. It says, be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So, so, so what Christ is letting us know is, he says, anytime we're in the world, we step in the world, we dip in the world, we sniff the world, you know, tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration is hanging out. You know, it's just like, you know, being in this, being in this church house and it's pouring out rain outside, you walk outside, you know, even if you just open the door, you might still be in the building, but the wind could blow the water on you, Right? Well, you could, you could be peeking in the doorway of the world, and that wind can blow frustration on you, can blow trials, distress, you know, all these different things on you. And we've experienced that sometimes. We're on our game, but somebody says, hey, let's just do this, and we're kind of like, what's the big deal? So we're not really get, trying to run outside of the presence of God. We're figuring, eh, you know, what's a little, a little drink here, a little there, there, there. and then we... we fit, we go through that argument that day, that misunderstanding that day. People at the job don't lost their mind that day. And so, so God is saying, hey, don't be condemned. Recognize. You know, recognize. Like, like don't, don't be too busy to, to pay attention to your own life. You know, like, be honest. We have to be honest with ourselves. Like, you know, me and my wife, we, you know, we try to live this thing. And, you know, we are living this thing, not try. Uh, and... Like, you recognize funky moments, but was I on my knees long enough that morning? Or, you know, you know, did I read enough that morning? Not, what's wrong with them? We don't have these what's wrong with them conversations. It's what adjustments we need to make. Does that make sense? And, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's just monitoring. You know, you, people walking around with Fitbits, we, we better, need to walk around with faith bits. You know, <laughs> you know, Fitbit, you know, it's checking your heart rate, letting you know your breathing pattern, how'd you sleep, you know. Maybe we, need, maybe we need a faith bit to walk around and go, oh, no, 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 you ain't walking out of this house. You need to read a little more. You need to pray a little more. You know, something that regulates if you've gotten what you needed through the course of the day, right? Like, how many steps of faith did I take today? You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, I only had like five steps of faith today. You know what I'm saying? Whoo, I'm not, I'm not on my game. You know, you know what was my... Uh, my word calorie intake today. <laughs> Not good, you know, right? Uh, how much did world calories that I get? 
Ah, too much world today, too much world today. Like, we, we need something like that, right? You know, so we could just check that thing, you know. But we, we checking all types of calories and how many steps I made and what's my heart rate, you know. What is your heart rate? Is it connected to God? David was a man after God's own heart. Is that our heart rate? Is our heart in beat with God? So it's just something, something to think about, you know, when we look at this. And he says, I've overcome the world. And why would he say that? Because he says, you can go ahead and stay locked into your discipline. Like what I promised you is waiting on you. They can't stop what I have for you. Only you can stop pressing towards it. Pastor Mel was just talking about earlier before the baptism, pressing towards the mark of the prize, right? And so these trials come from living in a troubled world, right? I'm type. <laughs> about to crack up here in a second. But anyway, so <laughs> trials come from uh, uh, living in a troubled world, right? Uh, but let's go here to Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. Again, we're talking about diligent discipline, but we're, we're, God has given us a perspective of why we can stay the course and there's always a sin of a head. Those incentives to stay the course is all that he promised us. You know, we get off or we get weary and well-doing. We really could unintentionally miss out. So I'm going to read the classic Amplified version of this scripture also. It says, According, accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan, intervened, mediated with an oath. It says, this was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to ever, is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast to the hope appointed for us and set before us. I didn't say the verse. Hebrews 6, 17 through 19. Apologies. Didn't look up to even acknowledge if somebody didn't get the verse. All right, so 17, amplified, classic, right? So I'll go back. I'll read it again. It says, according... Accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan, intervened and mediated with an oath. So he already gave the promise, but he showed up to almost give an oath, right? Not to almost, but to give an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things that we can believe that the promise is waiting on us, his promise... And his oath, in which it is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now, we have this hope as a sure and steadfast, look, anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whatever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. So, this, so he's saying, I've packaged this thing where you always have incentive before you. My promise. The only way you will lose momentum is if you lose sight of what I promised you. You know, and the only way you're going to lose sight of you let the, the, the adversary divert you or create a diversion. Let's go here to Hebrews 12. Uh, verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3. <laughs> Let's make sure y'all got the verses <laughs> this time. Right? Uh, same thing amplified. It says, therefore then, since we have, since we are. So, so now, first, I promise you something. To keep you motivated to this new life you signed on to. Right? But I, but I have these promises before you. Because I guarantee you, your boss say, listen, I'll tell you what. If you get three more sales this week, you get a triple bonus of $15,000. What's your incentive to get three more sales? The $15,000. 
right? So God has given us greater promises than a $15,000 bonus. And so he said, I gave you the promise, but because I know how humans can get distracted, I showed up to remind you I've never been proved to not honor my promise. And then I gave an oath or I swore by myself, <laughs> which I can't lie, right? That's what the uh, King James Version says, right? Right. So then to step it up even further, he brings us into Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, the same truth that we just talked about, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us and lets us run and let us, no, say, and let us run, this is important, with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. We got incentive again. And it is also an and is also its finisher. So he's the incentive for us to start the race, but he's also the person that's going to help us finish the race, right? It says, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of, of obtaining the prize that was set before him. So he had incentive. God had promised him all power. So he endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame so shame is coming when you're moving towards a promise. But we ignore the shame because of the goal. Oh, no, I, I'm going to look bad. I'm just, I'm just willing to look bad. This is the challenge. The reason why sometimes we're not disciplined, we're stopping to look good instead of moving towards the promise. Like we're, we're stopping off of our goal just to prove something to somebody. To save face. No, no, what you mean? No, no, see, I, I don't want you to think. Man, think it. it, it worst case scenario, it's another crack I get to display. I get to walk in humility and get exalted. No problem. Think whatever you want to But you ain't stopping me from the go. Think I'm boo-boo the fool. Think I'm not smart. Think I don't look good. Think I'm weak. Think I'm corny. Me and my nephew was having this conversation uh, yesterday. I mean, whatever. Because it gets to a point well, you have to understand, like, when, I remember when I was in the world, as much as I was trying to be cool, I, I was embarrassed a lot. I did some dumb things. So you, we went to, when you go to the club, uh, so you have, when you think you, like, in the in crowd, you know the system. So the system is, at 6 o'clock, they call coat check. All the people that don't really club, they leave, get their coats, and then now we can really party till like, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So we wouldn't put our coats in coach yet. We would take our coats and stick them under the, the big speakers in the club. So I buy this brand new $200 down coat, stuck it under the speaker. Time to leave, my coat ain't there. I'm walking out, you know, I danced all night, sweating, freezing cold outside. This is funny though, but I think about it, I don't know why I was wearing this, but I had a leather vest, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sweat all day, had a leather, a blue leather vest. You know, and I'm walking down the street looking like a, I know, like, watch this brother out here with a leather vest. Look like he wet <laughs> in the cold. What's wrong with these, these young folk today? You know, but I'm, really, I'm willing to look bad. You know, sometimes I was so in a stupor, dudes would be knocking me upside my head. I was so numb, you could, I wouldn't even know. They'd talk about me later. Yo, dude, you was so numb, we was knocking you upside your head. Nothing you could do about it. So, so. But, but, but I'm endeavoring to be cool, but I find myself in embarrassing situations. Asking for help, but almost like, uh, could, could you hook a brother up? <laughs> you know, and then you got to come back and then come back. You, remember, you know, you remember. And then even when I went to get something, I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there sweating like, is my credit going to clear? Like, they, what they going to say when they come back? You know, praying for angels to come down. You know, somebody comes, actually, when I first took Pastor Mel, I was trying to get a car. I was starting my life over in Ohio. The guy told me I couldn't get it. It was buy here, pay here. It wasn't even like, they give cars to everybody. It's like, sorry, sir, we're not going to be able to give you a car. 
And so she walked away saying to herself, man, he can't get a car. He ain't going to be able to get me a house. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so look, look, like you, you find yourself in these situations. I said that to say, like, Jesus didn't care about that. Jesus showed up doing things that nobody was doing, and it wasn't flowing with those that you get props from. He wasn't trying to be compliant. He was like, no, this is what God's will is. I don't care if this is popular. I don't care if it's still your money because you're making all your money off people's penance. I'm actually going to do what God says. Do we do that? Or do we stop off, like, pressing towards the mark, as Pastor Mel was saying during, uh, before the baptism, uh, pressing towards the mark just to save face, try to get, this is what I always talk, talk to the youth about, trying to get respect among fools. Not get respect from God, but among fools, right? Um, where did that end? I say finish and mature. Uh, finisher, uh, just, just think of him who endured from, from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reck, reckon, upon, reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you may not grow weary and or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. Because that's where the quit starts. It starts in your head. That's where the quit. So, so you ever try to do something that you really, really want to do and it gets to this place where it doesn't seem like you're going to be able to do it. And then you say, well, I'm not going to be able to do this, so what's the easiest thing to do? Quit. Man, just forget it. I'm not going to be able to do this. But how do you know? You've never gone beyond that point. Like, like how do you know? See, you're starting with a try as opposed to I'm going to do it. I'm not trying this goal. I'm going to do this goal. Now my, my attitude is different. The, 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 only, uh, the only option here is me getting to the goal. So I'm not done until I get it. Not if it looks, ah, it just seems like taking a long time. Look, I'm not getting the results I want. So you have to watch that because that's not, that's dangerous to just to, to quit at the first sign of being uncomfortable. Right? Does that make sense? Let's go over another chapter to, we're going to go back to chapter 11. Hanging out with Hebrews a little bit here. Because he just talked about the witnesses and he talked about Jesus enduring the cross. The, the King James says, enduring the cross because of the glory that was set before him. Right? So he endured the cross. Not, not just going to go to the cross. No, I have to, I'm going to have to go through something. I'm going to have to hang in there. Right, and so I'm going to read the Amplified of this one also. It's Hebrews 11, 7 through 12. Hebrews 11, 7 through 12. Right, so it says, prompted by faith, Noah, being forewarned by God concerning the events of which as yet there were no visible signs. So he gave them information that had never happened yet. Took heed. Look, look. When he heard what God said, the Bible says he took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. So God told him about rain that had never existed, something that was going to happen that had never been done that he's never done before, and asked him to build something that had never been built. And so he took that and, and, and became diligent. His incentive of the diligence was God's promise. That had never happened yet. There was nobody to, to, to run around and go, could you show me how you did it? Because nobody had done it. All he had was God's incentive of his promise, right? He says, okay, it says, by, it says, by this, his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness. That, re, that relation of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. Now, the interesting thing is, says he passed judgment. What it was saying is his actions, his actions convicted them. Excuse me for a second. Testing, testing, okay. Could you adjust the sound, please? All right, 
So, so just him believing convicted them that didn't believe. So he didn't even have to say, man, y'all don't believe. All he had to do was keep believing. And the more he believed, the more convicted them that didn't believe. You know, so, so, so sometimes just you acting in belief is going to bring conviction to people that don't believe. Because you're messing up their comfort zone. Like, if you out of sight, out of mind, they're good. But every time you show belief, they feel uneasy about the life that they're living. And sometimes they may lash out. Sometimes they may sabotage. Sometimes, oh, you think you missed holy. That's not what they're thinking. What they're thinking is, man, like, I was okay. Every time you come around, why, why they bother? They bother because they know they need to do different. If people are confident in the life that they're living, they're not going to be bothered by what you're doing. They're going to think you're an idiot. Look at this. Hey, go ahead with your bad self. They don't trip because you don't trip if you think you're doing the right thing. They know they're not doing the right thing, so that's your sign that you have someone that's going to be coming to the kingdom because of you. Right? It starts out with frustration and conviction. Then they come around. It says, urged on by faith, Abraham, when he was, when he was called, obeyed and went forth to a place which he was destined to receive an as an inheritance, and he went, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. So God told him to go. He's like, okay. Well, he didn't really get it. Okay, so explain to me how this is supposed to work. And no, no, you tell me to go, I'm just going to go. Prompted by faith, he dwelt as a temporary resident in, in the land which was designated in the promise of God. Though he was like a stranger in a strange country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with him of the same promise. For he was waiting expectantly and confidently, looking forward to the city which has fixed and firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Because of faith, also Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child, even when she was long past age for it. Because she considered God, who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. So for one man, though he was physically as good as dead, there have sprung descendants whose number is as the stars of heaven and as countless as the innumerable sands of the seashore. So his hands, so, so if, if they didn't believe generations wouldn't have took place. Because they believed generations more than the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea came from Abraham and Sarah. See, their lives testify that perseverance is possible. All these lies we just mentioned, when you read the story of faith, we're reading those things to encourage us the, the results of perseverance and hanging in there against all odds. Right? Now, uh, we'll, drop, we'll go up to verse 1. It says now, I'm, I'm still reading Amplified. It says now faith is, is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. You ain't going to feel it. But without faith, it is impossible to please this verse 6. I'm sorry, drop down to verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is possible to please and to be satisfactory to him. For, who's, for whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly look and diligently seek him out. So he rewards the diligent discipline, not the casual discipline, not, not people that with all due respect, he don't, war, he, he don't reward the triers. He rewards the believers. I'm going to repeat. He don't, he's not rewarding the triers. He's rewarding the believers. Because the triers are, in the, are standing in the middle ground. They're basically saying, ah, I'll try this. And when I don't believe it's going to work, then I've given my position. I give myself per, per, uh, permission to quit. So I'm going to try but if I, if I get to a place where I don't think this is going to work, I have the opportunity to quit. But believers, quitting is not an option. Giving up is not an option. So, so we, we, we 
uh, persevere by faith in God's word and God's promises. Um, we operate in active patience. That's what perseverance is. It's active patience. It's not uh, passive patience where there's patience here and there. I live by patience. Patience is a part of my life. So I know what I'm trying to do takes time. And this is the thing. We're so uniquely designed. And, you know, I've had some wonderful conversations with some people recently, and they're uniquely designed, but, but they're deal they've been dealing with a lot of frustration in their life because they've, they've been misunderstood at every level. Because they're going to get, they're trying to get acceptance from people that don't even understand their design instead of trying to get an acceptance around the kingdom of God. You know, they're trying to get acceptance around the crowd. They're not even, they're, they don't even understand them. They think they're idiots. They're laughing at them, right? But when they get around the kingdom of God, like I've had great conversations with these people, and as they're talking, oh, yeah, that makes sense, this, that makes sense, that. They're like, I got to get used to somebody understanding me, relating to me. Why? Because, and the only reason I relate, because I was that guy, <laughs> you know, misunderstood. Well, at times I'm still misunderstood, but, but it doesn't frustrate me because I always got somebody to understand me. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the people in the kingdom, you know. Um, so I'm not trying to chase folk that's just going to make me feel bad because I'm, I'm unique. That doesn't even make sense, right? And so the things that we have to do are unique. And it takes patience to really put those things together, but you live in a culture, a microwave society that'll keep rushing you. Well, if that was God, how come it didn't happen yet? Well, excuse me, Mr. Tulip, I happen to be an orange tree. Takes a little longer for my fruit to grow. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, somebody's coming to you with tulip attitudes, that's two seasons. Takes two seasons for them things to grow. Orange tree takes some years. You see, so you, 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 you got to consider the, the source, the audience of, of, of who's criticizing you. You know, a flower criticizing a fruit tree? I mean, you just got to look like, <laughs> are we really having this conversation right now? Like, everything you see in your life is instant gratification. No, 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 no. What I'm about to produce that's going to change lives forever takes a little longer. You just trying to look good. You looking good only take a couple seasons. You impacting lives takes a little more time. That's what the tree is saying to the flowers. I mean, I appreciate you. You creating a wonderful, you look good. You look good. That's it. We can just look at you. Yeah, but see, people actually gain nourishment from me. You know what I'm saying? They, 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 they you know, I, I, I save lives. <laughs> you know, with, the, with my nutrients, I save lives. So it takes a little more time for me. But I understand that you don't understand because you're just trying to look good. I know y'all don't think I'm still talking about the flowers and the trees, right? <laughs> right? So, so, again, so this whole diligent discipline is, is in the world. That's why we read through Hebrews 11 and 12. It's in the world of faith, you know, because faith is enduring belief. That's what faith is. Faith is an enduring belief. When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith? So that means you can lose it. Satan desires to sift you as weak, but I'm praying that your faith fails not. That means your faith can fail. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so it's an enduring belief, right? When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith? Will you still be in faith when it's time for you to make the exchange for the promise? See, the, the, the woman with the issue, you know, you had all those years, but she had to hold on to her faith to be able to touch his garment and make the exchange. Right? So do, will you have faith when he comes, if he just surprises you, just shows up? Or would that be one of the, your quitting moments? Then you can say, this stuff don't work. Oh, no, no, you missed the window. You, you, like, you like the virgins with the lamps, you know. Your, your lamp wasn't lit. <laughs> Your faith lamp wasn't lit, and the promise showed up that day. But you decided to rest in faith. Can you afford that? So it's not faith if the belief is temporal. It's not faith if the belief is, is temporal. It's an enduring belief. So it's not faith if the believing is only in favorable circumstances. I believe in favorable circumstances. If it's unfavorable, I trip, I panic, 
oh my God, what's going to happen? I don't know. But well, where's your faith? I remember Jesus told him on the boat, like his response to an unfavorable circumstance was like, where's your faith? One version says, how is it that you have no faith? There's another passage, ye of little faith. See, the, the people with great faith were the people that operate in love and believe regardless of the circumstances. I have not found so great faith in all the earth, right? So you have these levels of faith. All right, so, so this enduring, I mean, this diligent discipline, it's, it's also a confidence. Diligent discipline, it's, it's confidence also. Uh, the scripture says in Philippians 1, 6, is be confident in this very thing that he that's begun a good work will perform it into the day of Christ Jesus. So God started something in us. And so our confidence is that he's going to do his part. We just got to keep our faith attached. That's our part, right? Be confident that he that's begun a good work will perform it into the day of Christ Jesus, right? So if we attach our faith, it's going to happen. Scripture says in, he, in Hebrews 10, uh, it says, cast not away your confidence for it has great re reward. Well, but look, but it didn't stop. The next verse says, but you have need of patience. After you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Right? You have need of patience after you. And the will of God is not punishment or grievous, as the Scripture says, you know, the commandments aren't grievous. The will of God is, is preparation for purpose. Like, so... Be confident in this very thing that he has begun a good work will perform until the day of Christ Jesus. He'll work in you to will and to his good pleasure in um, Philippians 2. So God is saying, hey, I'm going to do my part, but there's no guarantee you're going to be able to handle it. So I need you to do my will, embrace the preparation along the way, be under tutors and governors to the point in time of the Father, and now when, when what I have planned for you, when you arrive at it, it won't be temporal. It won't be a place that you visit. It won't be something that you do temporarily. It won't be something that you get overconfident and blow it. It won't be because of all the little vices that you cheated along the way because you skipped all the layer of learning. You bring your undisciplined self to my platform of purpose. And then you blow it. Now you're going to deal with the devil punking you with the guilt of, look at you. Look at you. Man, you was on top. And you blew it. You know you can't do nothing right. So God's like, no, I'm not going to take you through that. Embrace my will on the way. And, and this is the thing. Sometimes we think God's will is excruciating. Surely I've gone through enough. Based on what? You've gone through enough based on what? Based on your assessment of that's enough. I've had enough. I'm sure Jesus had enough when he was whipping his back too. Putting that, that, that thorn, that crown on his head. I'm sure he had enough after the first nail they, they, they put in him. We, we already know there was a point where he, he kind of assessed it as, this is probably enough. This is probably all I need to do in the garden, remember? Now, if it's your will, <laughs> let this cup pass for me because I ain't seen nobody in this earth realm that's gone through what I've gone through up to this point. We ain't even talking about this possible cross. And then, you know, I seen you put a ram in the bush for Abraham. Maybe it's a ram out here somewhere, right? We talked about that the other day. But... It's not our assessment of what's enough. It's what's earmarked for our character to handle what our gifting is going to produce. So that's why we got to be diligently disciplined. Actually, your diligence starts when you don't feel like it. When you think it's enough. That's when, now it begins. It's not at your convenience. Do you know there's a level of discipline that we all have, even those of us that's undisciplined? We could prove it because you get up and go to work. If you were really, like, totally undisciplined, you just be sitting around the house all day doing nothing. But you're doing something. Even if you're diligent about or disciplined about making sure nobody knows you ain't handling your business. We do that well too, right? You know, you know how you make five phone calls just to make sure everybody understands and nobody's seeing you the wrong way? Well, it takes a lot of discipline to be calling on them people when you could just let it play itself out. But you're going to make sure you call. Hey, I just want to make sure you didn't see this the wrong way. Hey, well, I want to just make sure you didn't see it the wrong way, and then the way you saw it the right way, it wasn't the wrong way that I meant in, in, 
And the way that I meant wasn't the wrong way based on the other day when you thought I meant, but we realized I didn't mean that. But this that's attached to how I meant that you thought I might have meant it and the other day, the way it played out, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Cool? We go through all that. You ever call somebody and they're like, what are you talking about? You can say amen because I already know what happened. Right? But we're using discipline for that. So we have discipline, right? Y'all discipline with those hairs. That's enough they call it when y'all discipline your hair. <laughs> well, y'all, ain't y'all? Y'all, y'all discipline with the nails. You can make sure. <laughs> y'all make sure y'all get this stuff done now. If you don't get nothing done, you busting that head out or doing something with your head, putting a wig on something, right? But you discipline with those things. So, so what, what, what I'm, but this diligent discipline is beyond that. It's not at our convenience. You okay, Ed? Come back, man. <laughs> it's in there like you relate. But anyway, <laughs> what I'm saying is we, we, we're, 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 we're using a, a form of discipline getting limited results as opposed to uh, uh, um, diligently using that discipline to fulfill destiny and purpose. All right, so, so, so this, this uh, diligent discipline life, of course, is a, it's a, you know, obviously we've read where it's about faith and, uh, uh, you know, a level of um, um, just trusting God at his word. We talked about it's confidence, but it's also a life of excellence. Diligent discipline, it's a, it's a life of excellence. And so, so I remember uh, uh, Trina was talking one, one time. She was just talking about the different offerings between Cain and Abel and identified which that, uh, that Abel's had an excellent offering, right? An excellent offering. So, so when I heard that that day, I wrote down a, a question next to it. What's ours? Is our offering excellent? Is what we're giving to God our best? Awfully quiet in this Holy Ghost church, <laughs> right? Right. All right. Just think about it. Right. See, God's whole plan, everything in the kingdom. We talked about this some time ago. Um, it's engineered excellence. It's a supernatural attention to detail. Man, it's amazing. I taught in a Bible in our uh, uh, Bible school, Bible training center, like you know, a type of seminary at our other church, and so one of the one of the professors had to, uh, she was taking this course uh, on um, Ju the Jewish culture, so I had to teach her class. And her class was the Jewish holy days. That's where you get the word holiday from. It was originally holy day, right? It was a Y, and they changed it to an I. And so, so when I went through all the, you know, uh, you know Yom Kippur and all the different um, holy days, my summary of the class was, God is intentional. Now, we're going to go through the holy days in, um, in Bible school eventually. Because uh, I was like, wow. I said, so, so Jesus, who's the Passover lamb, actually died during Passover. <laughs> He's the first fruit of all that God wants to raise, right? But he was raised on the, on the Feast of First Fruits. Like, it's amazing. Even when they were... Uh, uh, you know, they have, a, I think it's Sukkoth. There's all these different Jewish names. But where, you know, they would go out and get barrels of water and pour, um, uh, pour out, just symbolizing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so, so they, they, they were doing things at the same time that these different things took place. Like the Feast of Dedication was about the Maccabees coming back in, taking over the temple so the world can come back into the temple. Right? And so, the day of Pentecost, it, it was what, what they were fighting to do took place around the same time. Like, if you, when you start triangulating everything, God is extremely intentional. There's, there's, but she's like, how did this happen? How he, how he could do it? Because it's, superna it's supernatural attention to detail. It's excellence. So, this is the thing. Every step ordered is a step orchestrated. 
Every step ordered is a step orchestrated. So that's, that's why Romans 8.28 tells us what? All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so, so again, God declared it's the end from the beginning. We know that in um, Isaiah 46.10. And, and so, so that gives some people the out to go, well, I didn't do it. It was God's fault because he declared it from the beginning. But you can create the blueprint for your house. You're building a house. And they can start building. And all types of things start changing. So, so intent doesn't necessarily mean you're forcing a will. But it also means that I, I'm, I'm so wise and supernatural, I can anticipate based on the move you may hear. Because I, this is with chess all day. You know, this is about chess. So, so I actually was playing one day. I've told the story before. Some type, grandmaster. He, he's playing like four people at the same time. So, which I thought was an insult that he was playing me and playing other people at the same time. I'm like, really? This, this was at our job. We worked in corrections. I'm like, oh, no, we're not having that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to beat this guy. And so I was watching him. A person make a move. He'd be like, oh, you about to lose. They just made one move. But the move he knew leads to other moves. So people like that will say, oh, it's about to be checkmate four moves. You make this move, checkmate six moves. Uh, checkmate seven moves. You're like, I ain't made another move yet. How do you know it's going to be checkmate such and such? Because that move leads to other moves. And since I've spent so much time studying the whole picture, I know where it's going to lead to. God is the greatest chess player in the world. We make moves, he knows where it's going to lead. And so he gets out of hand and tries to work it out for our good. But we have to be He's hoping along the way we pick up on obedience, right? And once we pick up on obedience, it's, it's you know, I think about the movie The Matrix, and they be in situations, and they call the operator. He goes, okay, hang a left here. Make a right here. Hang a left there. It's a phone booth at this corner. Well, well, he sees the whole picture, and he's telling them the moves that they need to make. He's ordering orchestrated steps to get the, to work it out for their good. God is sitting on a circle of earth, it says in Isaiah 50, and, and so he's looking down, he's seeing in advance, and he's trying to work it out for our good. We just need to be obedient. And this is, uh, I got this from uh, a long time ago. I think Ed was sharing. I believe this is Les Brown, but you must be willing to do the things today that others won't do in order to have the things tomorrow that others won't have. You know, so when you start to be conforming, you're going to get what they get. You might want to look deeper than what they have. I'm talking about even the the spirits, too, that they have. I'm talking about even the frustration that they have. You, you, you look at everything blinging on the outside, but you don't know what people are dealing with on the inside, right? So, so the goal here is to be diligent, disciplined, see things through, right? We talked about last week being a finisher, but see things through. Scripture says the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, Romans 8.18. So it's not saying that you're not going to be processing through suffering, but it doesn't line, it doesn't even match what it's going to reveal to you. Now, we hear stories. You know, you hear people, you hear testimonies, right? Uh, actually, we were talking about you guys the other day. We were talking to another couple at the church, and we was like, well, when you get a chance, you might want to just have a meal with the Bobbins. Because in, in the situation that they were processing through, we were like, well, we have a couple that process through the same thing. You know, so we told the story of uh, shopping at the Dollar Tree. You know, that was, you know, that's the grocery store, you know, um, at the time. You know, trying to pack, especially if it was time for, you know, maybe the summertime and all the kids had to come, you know, just trying to pack the whole crew. You know, it's like 11 deep in a, was it, one-bedroom, two-bedroom apartment? It's probably one. <laughs> it was three bedrooms? Was it, for real? Okay. All right, so I keep saying one-bedroom, so I just, I just... Messed up the whole story. All right, three-bedroom apartment. But, but y'all don't have no three-bedroom apartment now, do you? Yeah, you got a house, don't you? With a nice little pool. I ain't been there yet, but <laughs> word on the street. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is, but I watch you guys come to the altar, and I remember Tanya always saying, oh, no, we're coming to the altar. Because every time we come up here, we get, we get what we pray for. Right, just going through the process. And you're still growing through a process. But you had to go through that process to get to this process and from this process to get to the next process. Does that make sense? And so we have to see it through, right? We have to see it through. 
So I'll share this with you, uh, something the Lord had me write a long time ago. Don't remember when I wrote it, uh, and I don't remember who I wrote it to. All right, but it says, uh, our lives are compiled of 10 to 12 crucial and unpopular decisions, right? Um, now, they're crucial because, hey, everything's on the line, unpopular because everybody's not going to be doing it, right? These decisions arrived unannounced with no regard for our convenience. Yes, we've claimed an allegiance to God through our confession of Christ and supposed, supposed yielding to the Holy Spirit. But where is the body we've sacrificed to God? When does Christ experience the life he died for? And the Holy Spirit get to use the vessel yielded. When we honor him with our lips, do we follow this with the corresponding actions of keeping his commandments or loving his people unconditionally? When we, requ when we request patience, forgiveness, love, and understanding, are these attributes something we freely give when we received? We have a tendency to ward off those who lay down their life or lay down their light to truly love us, just to embrace those who give up nothing to pacify our complacency. See, we ward off those who lay down their life to love us, lay down their light to love us, but we embrace those who, they ain't paying nothing to pacify you. It's costing the person that's trying to give you the truth, right? That's love when a person is willing to pay to love you, right? It takes nothing to, to soothe you, right? All right, so uh, for love, just embrace those who pacify complacency. I'm sorry. We have a tendency to ward off those who lay down their life or like to truly love us just to embrace those who give up nothing to pacify our complacency, compromise, and weakness. When do we finally break through the wall, press past the pain, resist and endure the temptation? Not just in moments, but as a way of living. The Bible says the just shall live by faith, not as a place to visit, but as a permanent residence. We think getting weary and well-doing is an option, but it's really just a bribe. On the other side of our suffering in this present time is, the glo is glory beyond comprehension. On the other side of our obedience is an unimaginable fulfillment. This letter comes from the heart of God through a broken vessel that's been rejected by family, friends, and, and loved ones, been abused mentally and physically by those cried to and relied on, been betrayed by those trusted, cared for, and sacrificed for, and been misunderstood by all. Finally, I'm praying this penetrates your heart, ignites your faith, and stirs up the gifts in you to return to living by faith. Love you unconditionally, Pastor Keith. Don't know who I wrote that to, but I, but I thought it was fitting for us. You know, like, when? If not now, when? When does it start? Look at all the years going by. Look at all the extra weights we've piled on. Right? And how much more are we going to keep piling on as opposed to shedding off? What we want has to be more important than what we're dealing with. What we want has to be more important than what we're dealing with. What we want has to be more important than what we're dealing with. Change happens when what, when what we're stuck in is not worth what I'm dealing with. I'm sorry, change happens when what we're stuck in is not worth what I desire. I'm sorry. So as we talked about the other week, we must be disciplined at the root, at our core. And, and, and we got to challenge ourselves because some of us think highly of ourselves uh, to do just enough or barely enough. See, when I do just enough or barely enough, I think highly of myself because I think I can get away with that. I don't think I can operate, I don't, I don't need to operate in full discipline. It don't take all that. Well, only an arrogant person says that because God has set the standard. Only an arrogant person thinks that they're going to receive what God has for them, the fulfillment, without following God's standard. But some of us are diligent. And those that are diligent do whatever is, 
whatever is needed, and as Pastor Melanie always asks, whatever it takes. Whatever is needed and whatever it takes. And so, so just to, to uh, I'll just give you this last piece for today. This diligent discipline is, it's discipline consistency. It's discipline consistency. And what that is, is that's truly waiting on the Lord. Like, when I'm disciplined and I'm consistent, I'm truly waiting on the Lord. Because discipline is not feigning in your mind, as we said in, in um, Hebrews 12.3, right? You know, and I, I, I challenge the men because subtly we're supposed to lead in discipline. We're supposed to empower the people around us in discipline. But I, I got, I really, I was thinking about this question. Should the scripture be changed to honoring men as the weaker vessel? So we just switch it up? But the way things are playing out, it's almost like we need to switch it up. Hey, 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 back up off me. Honor me as the weaker vessel. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, that's how God's rolling now, right? You know, and it doesn't, and it doesn't mean the, the woman is weak in terms of the ability to do, saying God has equipped her with something valuable called emotion, um, which some of us are, have to work to operate in. All right. Uh, we must discipline ourselves to honor our commitments. We must discipline ourselves to honor our commitments. Every commitment is a demand for diligent discipline, right? As soon as you commit, something's going to come up. Guarantee you. So we have to discipline ourselves to honor our commitment. Commit to stay and see it to completion. Commit to stay and see it to completion. If you do this, am I going too fast? Okay. <laughs> Says the young man not taking no notes. Okay. <laughs> All right. If you do this, you'll find yourself experience the completion of your dreams also. See, see, we don't realize that we're all attached. You read what you sow. When we don't commit to see things through, we're, we're, we're communicating to God you don't have to assist me in seeing this through. You're communicating to every, all the people that God has designed to push and to favor you to do something to say, oh, no, that's okay. It's not important. Because you've, you, you've established a philosophy. You read what you sow. So we, if we consistently abandon our team or the completion of others' dreams, we'll reap people consistently abandoning us and our dreams. So we consistently abandon our team or the completion of others' dreams will reap people consistently abandoning us and our dreams. So your dream might not be the dream you're committed to. Your dream could be the relationship. Your dream could be so many other different things, but you'll find people abandoning you as you abandon others' dreams. So we have to consistently be, uh, be faithful in what's important to them. Scripture says, be faithful in that which is another man's, and God will give you your own. Luke 10 through 12. Right? Be faithful, and you can't pick and choose. You can't pick and choose. Oh, they're a trick. Listen, I'm going to be faithful at the job. I'm going to be faithful with my, with my nieces, nephews, grandkids, these little kids running around there. And I don't care what it is. I'm going I'm to diligently... Be faithful and consistent, you know. It says, look, look every man, esteem others better than yourself. Look not, man, look not every man on the things of himself, for himself, but look, on the, look for the things of others. That's not exactly what the Scripture says because they didn't even come out of my mouth, right? But Philippians 2, 3, and 4, right? I, it was close, but I, I know that wasn't exactly what the Scripture said. See, so when I'm consistency, I'm so postured, I'm not moved by circumstances. Circumstances don't move me. And so this consistency is how we excel in faith. Uh, to be consistent with your uh, continuous, constant connection to God, right? It's all about consistency. 
And so think about this. When you have a responsibility and something comes up, do you think the responsibility takes care of itself? If we're honest, do sometimes we operate that way? I committed to something. I have a responsibility. I focus on the responsibility. I don't even say nothing. I just... <laughs> It just took care of itself by osmosis. Do we care so what we want what we want to do in our diligent discipline we want, we want to develop uh, a Uh, how can I put it? A negative circumstance, something comes up, vacation, financial breakthrough discipline. I'm going to repeat. We want to develop <laughs> a negative circumstance, something comes up, vacation, financial breakthrough discipline. Because negative circumstances, uh, Something comes up, vacation, financial breakthrough, it, it shouldn't, these things shouldn't waver our time with God. Why? Because we should be taking him with us to calm the storms of the negative circumstances. We should be taking him with us to give us wisdom for what comes up. We should be taking him with us to show us vision and purpose on vacation. We should be taking it with them to use financial breakthrough to set us up for overflow at the next level. So we should be bringing God with us. We shouldn't go, but this gives me a break from God. Take him with you on a vacation. Instead of going on vacation and you, you vacationing from God too. <laughs> I forgot about God. See, what we're doing is we're practicing the strength at this stage to live in that strength on our future platforms. We're practicing strength at this stage to live with, in, in that strength in future platforms. So each, each diligent discipline test that we pass through, and we'll talk about passing tests next week, but every time we go through something, it's preparing us for the next level. So, so we don't go through to rest. We need what we went through. We got to use that at the next level. So when we get to where we're trying to go, we're not just sitting here, oh, wonderful. No, and leaving, we're leaving all our tools at the house. No, no, we, we learned the tools to use them. It's like players, you know, they go through practice, learn all these different things, and they get out in the game, and like, coach, they can play. Uh, <laughs> that's why we were training. If they couldn't play, we wouldn't have trained. We'd have just played video games, showed up at the game, wait for the forfeit, and go home. We're training to prepare for the best. And when you get to the best, you're going to have to use your training. Like, what's this right here? This is called opposition. And that's what God is saying. God is saying, everything that, you, that I'm traveling, you're traveling through, don't get so, don't rest there. It's supposed to prepare you for where you're at, and you're going to need it where you're going, and then now you got to build on that for the next level. Well, I'm good. I don't even want no more levels. Do you understand that you're purpose and designed to fulfill something and you can only temporarily be outside of what you're designed to do before you start getting sick? Before your, your mind starts to, to, to wonder and get confused? Before you start getting frustrated? See, you can, you, you can be outside of purpose for short periods of time before it starts calling and pulling on you. And you go, I don't know what's wrong with me. What's wrong with you is you're tired of being less than who you are. And if you embrace every step of what God's doing, you will enjoy each experience, something else to look forward to, something else to look forward to, something else to look forward to. You're always motivated. But depression is, I just want to, I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. That's what depression is. Because you're designed to grow up and to fulfill a purpose. You wasn't sat here to, once you get to 12, check out. 
And ain't nobody trying to do all that. I'm just going to stay at the house. I'm just going to stay at the house. I'm going to stay at the house as long as I can. You know, I mean, I'm not, ain't nobody trying to be responsible. I don't need no demands on me where I got to uh, pull on wisdom and trust God. Or I don't want to do all that. Yeah, but, but we're designed for that. And we're cheating so much. So, some of the greatness that's trying to come out when the demand is placed on us. And, and that's what the diligent discipline is for. It's not for us to find a safe place, as we talked about the other day. It's for us to find a faith place. All right, so that's all for today. We'll get into tests next week. All right, any thoughts, uh, questions, insights you care to share? What it make you think about? How were you challenged? <laughs>